0: You're listening to a People of Note podcast as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027 with me Richard Cock. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And lockdown has provided us with new opportunities for people of note and tonight I'm talking to someone in Belgium, and I just want to say welcome to Jan van der Roost. Welcome, Jan. Thank you very much. And perhaps you can just tell us by way of introduction who you are and what you are.
1: Well, that's a long story. I will we'll make it a little bit short. I'm um, Jan van der Roost indeed. I'm from Belgium, which is a little country, as you know, in the west western side of Europe, we have three different languages, Uh, Flemish in the north, which is kind of Dutch, and that's where where I'm from. Uh, French-speaking part in the south, or Walloon as they call it here, and then a little German-speaking part in the east uh, side of the country. But I'm from Flanders, so my language, my native native tongue is Flemish, as we call it, which is Dutch. I'm um, very, I've been very active, and I still am very active as a composer, I have been very active before uh, COVID-19, as a conductor also, conducting uh, all kinds of uh, ensembles worldwide. I've been teaching until now, so to say, because I'm about to turn 65, teaching at one of the Flemish uh, conservatoires and also do a lot of guest teaching in 20 countries all over the world. I have a very strong connection with uh, Japan and the United States, where I've been many, many times to conduct my own works. So um, I've been a very active uh, musician, so to say, uh, who did a lot uh, in the classical or in the so, so-called uh, yes, classical music uh,
0: medium. And, and in fact, tomorrow, uh, March the 1st, is your 65th birthday. So happy birthday for tomorrow. Thank you very much. And obviously you have quite strict rules there about retiring at the age of 65, do you?
1: Well, officially, yes, we have to retire at 65, which eventually will become a 67 in a few years, probably. But this officially means that I should normally stop teaching um, at the conservatoire or university or whichever institute. Um, it still allows us to continue a little bit as a guest teacher or guest professor, but the official job, so to say, uh, has to stop now, and that's uh, well, what's going to happen. Uh, officially now, indeed, it's our deadline, so to say. Yeah. After 40 years of teaching, I think it's also time to give the opportunity to younger people, so I think it's a very fair uh, decision.
0: Yeah, and but you obviously are still quite busy, and had COVID not come, you would still be traveling around the world composing and conducting.
1: That's for sure, that's for sure. And I'm just
0: interested uh, to know why particularly Japan, why would Japan be a popular venue for you?
1: Well, the fact is that I'm, as a composer, I'm kind of uh, 50% composer for wind orchestras, wind bands, etc., and 50%, so to say, for all kinds of ensembles, vocal and instrumental ensembles, professional people, etc. So it's kind of double life, which I've, I've led and so far. And as the wind orchestra or the wind band um, field in Japan is really very, very strong. They have fantastic high level, wonderful, wonderful wind orchestras. And since the very beginning of my career, so to say, they were... Uh, picking up my music quite uh, quickly and quite uh, soon so they invited me to come that was the 90s of the last uh, century and uh, one invitation came a second a third and since then i've been there like 75 or or maybe 80 times already in japan always with very great projects uh, with professional wind orchestras with very high skilled uh, university uh, so wind orchestras, sometimes also with high schools, also having a very high level. So it, it, it really became a kind of um, second home for me, so to say. And as from the very first time I set uh, foot on their soil, I felt at home, I felt well. And that feeling was still there until Covid indeed stopped this uh, long row of uh, visits to their country.
0: And especially for wind orchestras, because they would be blowing their germs everywhere. But why don't, we, why don't we start with a piece for wind orchestra and we're going to listen to it and then you can tell us about it. The piece is called Spartacus. That piece was called Spartacus and it was written by my guest in People of Note Tonight, Jan van der Roost. Uh, Jan, just tell us about that piece.
1: Well, in a way it's an uh, exceptional piece because since oh, over 30 years, 35 years, I've almost exclusively composed commissioned works, which means that some institution or some ensemble or some orchestra or some soloist or some whatever commissions me to write a new piece. And this was not the case with Spartacus, the one we just heard, because I wrote it at a younger age and um, I was preparing for my final examination uh, at the Conservatory in Antwerp here in Belgium uh, to have my composition diploma. And at the time we had to... Uh, deliver uh, 10 different pieces of different nature, different kinds. So orchestra piece, vocal piece, solo piece, uh, chamber music, etc. And I chose myself uh, deliberately to add a wind orchestra piece because also at that time I already was quite active as a composer for wind orchestra. So my composition teacher, he agreed with it. Said, okay, sounds like a good idea. And So I wrote this actually for myself, so to say, and for that uh, exam and uh, it was part of my portfolio so it was actually not a commission and that's quite exceptional because almost yeah, 90, 99 of all my other pieces have
0: been commissioned well actually that's that's really nice for a composer because first of all you're kept in work secondly you're kept in money and uh, it must be quite frustrating for a composer to compose and not have his works performed so you are very lucky in that respect
1: that's certainly true i think there's only uh, maybe four Five percent or even less of my works which i never have heard or which are not yet recorded so that those are just the, the the exceptions so to say uh, the, the vast majority of my music is being performed and recorded so that's absolutely a privilege i feel very happy about that
0: and is that common amongst composers um, do many composers have the good luck to be in your position
1: well, shall I say? To be honest, I don't think that it really applies to everybody here. There is quite a lot of people who have that kind of bitterness, that kind of frustration because they are not respected enough. But I've been the, in the lucky situation that yeah, that, that I was almost uh, from the very beginning on uh, appreciated and, and 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 solicited by, by other people and, and by instances. So it's certainly not the rule. No, no, that's yeah. uh, that.
0: And and in Belgium, in general, are composers well looked after? I mean, are is it a, are there many Belgian composers?
1: Yes, there are. Like I think, like in every country. Um, well. Anybody in the world, when you meet uh, him him or her, he will a little bit complain that they are not enough supported, that they don't get enough chances. So that's also the case in Belgium, of course. People always want to have more. And now, especially in this very difficult uh, COVID period, it's, 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 it's hard, it's tougher for everybody because money goes th- which is normal to different um, destinations, but in general, it is—it was better, but it still is uh, okay here. I think it could be better, as I said, but it's certainly not bad. It's—it's it's not a top priority at all. But uh, we have uh, the government uh, supports and, and and gives some some uh, facilities to to encourage and to support uh, composers and, and and other artists, so to say. There, so there is some. Uh, official support, but it's it's not that you really can live from it, certainly not, but it helps.
0: And what about the general music scene in Belgium in terms of orchestras and opera companies and ballet? What is that like?
1: Well, we have uh, in Flanders, we have four or five uh, symphony orchestras. One of them is the radio orchestra, the other one is the national orchestra, and there two or three more. And then we have uh, three opera houses, there is, uh, that's the Flemish part, the northern part, in the southern part there is a similar thing, also a few um, symphony orchestras and opera houses, etc., there is uh, uh, also some other professional groups, chamber orchestras, we are quite okay and quite good with... um, ancient music, so the the, the baroque scene with with, uh, period instruments, it's quite developed. Uh, We have some really well-known ensembles which have uh, international fame, so to say. So there's there's quite a lot of um, things going on. It's a very small country, only 11 million people in a very, very small area, but there's quite a lot going on in the historical cities like Antwerp, Brussels, Bruges, Ghent, et cetera, so there's there's, uh, quite a lot of culture uh, in those uh, cities so in general because almost everybody lives not too far from a city in a small country so the distances are not so large and wherever you live you're almost quite close to several options to to, to visit concerts or to, to to do some other cultural activities yeah. Well, that's,
0: that, that's the- yeah it all sounds very positive now i have to tell you that the other day a, a friend of mine in who lives in botswana which is a country next to south africa He sent me an email to say, had I heard of Jan van der Roost? And I said, well, strangely enough, I had heard of him because he had just heard of a piece of yours called Of Moon and Sun. And he said, you really must listen to it. So I think we should listen to Of Moon and Sun now. Uh, This was David Slater, who's a good friend of mine who lives in Botswana. So let's listen to Of Moon and Sun by my guest in People of Note, Jan van der Roost. That was Of Moon and Sun, a piece for choir and piano by Jan van der Roost, who's my guest in People of Note, and I think that's a a rather accessible piece. Jan, just tell us a bit about Of Moon and Sun.
1: Yeah, it's a very accessible piece. Um, you will find out during this program that I write uh, music in different styles. Some sometimes really very tonal, very accessible. Sometimes more sophisticated, complicated. And this particular commission came from youth choir, the youth choir of uh, Colombia in South uh, America, where just like in their neighbor country Venezuela, there is a very strong foundation supporting young people and give them chance to develop their musical skills. It's not the same. Same system as El Sistema, eh, where Dudamel and the other great guys uh, uh, have emerged from, but they have a kind of similar thing with music schools and trying to give music education to young people with wind orchestras, with choirs, with uh, symphony orchestras. So they really try to encourage them to learn music, and they are quite successful. And I've been there uh, a long time ago and so I met the conductor of the uh, National Youth Choir and, and and talking about this. He gave this commission and he wanted a, a very uh, nice uh, youthful piece with, with, with uh, clear melodies, with, with some rhythmical aspects, with, with warm harmonies. And so uh, some of those aspects are uh, reflected in the first movement, the Moon. And the more dynamic, energetic thing is uh, reflected in, 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 the, in, in the second movement, the sun. And the piano part also gives a lot of uh, um, suggestive uh, support of, of, of the voices. So they were very happy with it. And now this was sung by the radio choir in Belgium so with adult uh, singers. But it still sounds quite youthful, I think. And that's what I, that's what I intended to do.
0: And what about choosing texts? What, because this one is uh, in English. Um, and uh, were you not tempted to choose perhaps a, a, a Spanish text for Colombia?
1: That could have been an option, of course. But um, they didn't really impose that at all. They just said, well, our people, our young people, they also must learn to to sing in different languages. They must also develop their, their language skills. So, because many of them are not really... Uh, they don't really have the top kind of education. They, they 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 are quite limited in their chances. Some others do have very good teaching uh, systems. So the it, it's a kind of um, n- not not a very constant level and and of education. So they said English is fine for them. It will certainly help their uh, the, the to develop their skills. So that was not an issue at
0: all. And is there a sort of Belgian? school of composition or i mean they're very tell us some about the the historical situation of belgium i know about cesar frank and who are the other important belgian composers
1: well i think we should go back to the renaissance period long long time ago when the flemish uh, -Flemish, franco-flemish school was let's say the, the, the one of the most or maybe the most famous in europe in those days with uh, the great polyphonists uh, the, the, like Lassus and Josquin des and all those all those great names, uh, also Ockeghem, uh, yeah, all those uh, really polyphonists, they were all coming from that Franco-Belgian um, uh, school. And uh, of course, Belgium as a, as a country didn't exist yet because yes. it was still in the different uh, countries, but the same area, of course. So one of them, one of uh, like Adrian Willard, who was the founder, so to say, of the uh, the, the Venetian school, afterwards we had Gabrieli and, and and Monteverdi, but the first one to introduce the Scorris Pezzati uh, uh, technique with, with uh, separate antiphonal choirs was uh, Bill he came from Ruges, uh, one of the Flemish cities, so they really, really had their influence all over Europe and they were really very much sought after in 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 the european courts and and and, and uh, important um, centers so that's actually the the rooms where our flemish and belgian music comes from then you make a big jump into uh the 19th and the 20th century where then a uh, the, the, the little bit more um contemporaries kind of uh, composers uh, used uh, to live so there are not a lot of internationally known names because it, um, it was a little bit complicated story in our country we have been put together so to say in 1830 then Belgium was officially found with a part f- taken from Holland a part taken from France and uh, that was the, the original A little bit after the first world war they added a little bit from Germany and all those things together make Belgium what it is nowadays. So there are some influences from different um, uh, countries but in those days many of the composers of the artists in general they uh, they, they kind of escaped, it's not the right word, but they, they did flee away a little bit out of the country because it was just politically quite complicated. So the only composer of Kind of uh, reputation was Cesar frank indeed in the 19th century, and then afterwards in the more contemporary music, there is uh, some people who have done a lot of work also with Stockhausen with with, with that really contemporary uh, electronic and and and, and uh, experimental music, but really great famous names. Uh, are hard to say because it's it's uh they are more, more locally and, yeah. and nationally known I think.
0: Yeah, but you see you see yourself more as a sort of internationalist, I think.
1: Well in a way yes, because I've always been travelling a lot, a lot which I still did until last year, and um I feel very Belgian, I feel very Flemish and, and but I'm not fanatic. I am just I feel European, I feel musician, I feel yeah uh, global person. So I'm I'm a human being with with hopefully I think a quite open uh, view on, on, on what's going on in the world. But of course my roots and and, and and where I come from, that's something which I'm very proud of. But it's not I'm certainly not a fanatic local guy. And uh, yeah, well, yep. music is for me such a, a universal thing that it, it, it can completely uh, fill your life uh, easily and, and, and being in touch with people from all kinds of origin and, and, and race and, 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 and culture and, and, and religion and, and philosophy and whatever. So it's, if you're open-minded, I think you can meet so many people, which also is the case now. I meet you now in person, yeah. so to say, via the technical
0: means and and almost quite by chance uh, that that we met which was fantastic and we've played uh, some of your music here on classic 1027 but we're going to come now to a piece which you wrote uh, some many years ago now in 1983 this is a piece for string orchestra called Per Archi uh, just tell us before we play it it's a tribute I think to Benjamin Britten and Bela Bartok the B B B B. Um, and it was in the Flanders Festival. Just tell us quickly about Per Aki and we can listen to it and talk about it more afterwards.
1: All right. Well, it was one of my first uh, classical pieces. Indeed, I was quite young in those ages. I was still in my 20s. And I got this first, quite prestigious for me, at least, uh, commission. And they wanted uh, just a piece for string orchestra. That's all they said. I had no real um, instigation or any inspiration. They said just... Right, uh, 10 15 minutes, piece maximum. So, and then I decided to uh, pay a tribute to home, uh, pay homage to two of my favorite composers in those days and still now, because I have lots of favorite composers from all eras. But, um, and I said, okay, let's go for Bartok and Britain, we which would by coincidence have the same initials, yeah. So, it was a nice sequence. And I will tell a bit more after the piece. Okay, let's it. listen is to this.
0: This is a per Archie by Jan van der Roost, my guest in People of Note. That was a piece for String Orchestra, Per Archi, by Jan van der Roost, who is my guest tonight. Uh, And I noticed, Jan, that that was uh, first performed at the Flanders Festival. So uh, just tell us a bit about uh, the sort of uh, active musical life and festivals in Belgium too, and, and how your music goes down. Do you get a lot of commissions in Belgium?
1: well not so many actually I do of course I had quite a lot of them if you see over the years but um, as I'm so internationally active uh, actually the large majority of my, my commissions come from outside my country but I had some ones and that's one of the the, the nice ones at least uh, uh, because it's uh, a quite prestigious festival it's uh, every year normally not this last year but normally um, and it invites a lots of uh, orchestras and and, and ensemble and soloists from all over the world to give concerts. It's a kind of three month um, uh, lasting uh, festival with with, with uh, all, all kinds of different things, and even like the Vienna Philharmonic or Berlin Philharmonic, or the, the really great orchestras, or New York Philharmonic a few years ago. So they they come visit and amongst other our country. They are mostly on a concert tour, of course. And they also pass them in uh, Belgium, give a concert or two concerts, and then they continue their trip. So it was actually during that festival that uh, it was premiered in 83. And of course, also some Belgian ensembles, some, some uh, national ensembles, they um, participate to that festival. Many of the concerts were, or, are, or were recorded by the radio. So it's, it's kind of a prestigious thing. And uh, so I was kind of, uh, of course, very honored, but kind of stressed also because it was also for me a kind of test piece. I was 26, 27 in those years and just uh, an upcoming composer, so to say, with um, some uh, people who know, did, did know me or people didn't know me. So it was kind of uh, a little bit stressy, so to say, and I had to bring in all the information about the piece like half a year in advance because the, the, the concert was September, October. And I had to give in everything already in March or in April. So that was quite a complicated thing because I hardly had started at the moment that I had to bring in the, 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 the program text and the program notes, uh, which which would normally accompany the piece. So I, had the, I did something very universal, very in general. I said, OK, let's call it Per Archi, which is, as you know, Italian for four strings. So it's only a very neutral title. And also the inspiration, I just described a little bit, okay, it's going to be this and this and this, but I had to think it in the future because the piece actually didn't exist yet. So it was kind of a little bit uh, risky thing. But uh, fortunately, then the inspiration came at the right moment and um, I also could attend one or two of the rehearsals. It all went very well. And so the first uh, performance uh, and the performances afterwards were very well uh, acclaimed. So it was a good start. Of course, like always, there were people who didn't, Find it contemporary enough, and for some other people, it was already too contemporary. Same story, which actually never end, never changes, because yeah. it's still the case now. Some people always think it's not modern enough, or others say it's too modern already. This is uh, eternal <laughs> issue, yeah. so to say. But uh, apart from all that, I think it was a successful piece, which has been performed afterwards by quite a lot of professional uh, string orchestras um, in in other countries also.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, it seems you have a sort of charmed life. Just tell us a little bit about your own career. Did you grow up singing in choirs or playing organ or keyboard or violin? What did you do?
1: Well, indeed I have been very, very active as a young guy, but for some strange reason, I started very late with music lessons. So I took some lessons from my father who was a very good amateur musician and uh, he played flute he played He uh, played organ he played piano he was conducting the wind orchestra in our area he was conducting the choir so he was just a real amateur in the in, in the most positive sense of the word i always say amateur means something uh, it comes from the word amare which means love he was just a music lover he had a technical job uh, working at, at the belgian railways and in engineer but when he came home the first thing he did was switching on the radio and listening to music. And we had lots of recording classical music, but also jazz and and, and film music and, and all kinds of, of music. So we were very broadly educated in musical terms. And I got the love and also the talent uh, from his uh, side because uh, his uh, ancestors also were all very active musicians. One of them even was a famous singer who has been uh, singing in, in New York, in Frankfurt with, with Toscanini. So actually the, 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 the musical talent is, let's say, uh, since a few generations uh, is present in our, in our family. So, and so i grew up with a lot of music i did a lot of sport i i, I played music in the local band uh, wind orchestra conducted by my father i was singing in the choir I, I, I did all kinds of things but i never actually went to a music institute so i, I didn't really get uh, music uh, lessons and that changed when i was uh, when i turned 18 and I had to choose what to do everybody thought i would go or for languages or for uh, sport or for some other thing but my heart and my passion was music. And as I had started to compose a little bit as a 15, 16 year old uh, boy, uh, I said, well, this this is going to be my, my dream. And I have been so fortunate to uh, see that that uh, during my life, indeed, that dream became true. Because uh, after five years at the Lemons Institute in Leuven, which is a very renowned um, institute in those days, and some more years at the conservatoires of Antwerp and Ghent, I was graduated for all kinds of... Um, Things, uh, musical subjects in my career could, uh, could take off and it took off uh, quite, uh, quite firmly so to say.
0: It's a fantastic story and obviously um, vocal music is close to your heart because you were involved in it where you, you, when you were young and we're going to hear now two poems, Deux Poèmes uh, by you for soprano, cello and harp. Let's listen to them and then you can tell us about them. Two poems, Deux Poèmes by Jan van der Roost, my guest in People of Note, Sur l'herbe and En bateau. Uh, Jan, just tell us about these.
1: Well, that's uh, a little illustration of my uh, chamber music uh, repertoire. I have quite a lot of uh, chamber music pieces, and this is a kind of mix because it has a combination of vocal and instrumental uh, elements. It was um, commissioned by the trio which you now heard, with the three uh, uh, singers and players you just heard, uh, a few years ago, when there was a celebration of the great uh, Claude Debussy. And um, Debussy, he used several texts by Paul Verlaine, the famous uh, French poet, in um, in his... um, Uh, in his his, his work called Les Fêtes Galantes which is the name of the the, the poems where it came from but he did not use all the poems he used only a selection of it so the trio uh, with with the three uh, ladies uh, involved they wanted to to, uh, set up a project playing the original Debussy uh, songs or or chanson uh, as they say in French uh, in an arrangement for a new setup, not for soprano and piano, but soprano, cello and harp, and then add the text which had not been used by Debussy. So they commissioned to various uh, Flemish composers to write two or three uh, works, a little bit with Debussy influences, uh, musical style that was not mandatory, but it was recommended to make it kind of uh, fitting well with the original uh, master, so to say. And so I was uh, one of them. And uh, as a harpist is my daughter, Lynn van der it was of course a very close link, and um, well, we could um, set up, I think, I think a very nice uh, project because they to- uh, toured all uh, around Belgium, gave those. Uh, uh, gave this program uh, really a forum and and chance to to many listeners and many people were really surprised and and, and amazed to hear how the original Debussy was linked with some contemporary music from uh, several years later but still having a link to his uh, wonderful uh, music. So that's actually the story behind the piece.
0: Well and just as a matter of interest you talked there about your daughter being a harpist. Uh, How many children do you have?
1: I have four children, and I always say as a joke, I have um, four children. Two of them are musicians, and two of them are normal people. <laughs> and which, which, of course, is a little joke. But I mean, uh, one of them is also a musician. He was a bass trombone player, but he now went more into the the management. So he works eh, with. with, with uh, he has been the the the, the director of, of the opera house here. So he is more into the organization of, of music. Uh, The harpist is still an active harpist player. She teaches and she gives lots of concerts before Covid, of course. Now she's quite limited in her uh, possibilities. And the two other ones were amateur players, so they played instruments, oboe, piano, percussion, so different things. But um, they just have a, a real job, so that's why I call them normal
0: people. <laughs> well, I think we all ha- all musicians have real jobs, which is is quite wonderful. Of course, yeah, of
1: course you are just. I but it's just great scared, you could course.
0: have you could have a whole family ensemble, which is wonderful.
1: Well, in a way we do because now with the children and the grandchildren and the children in law, many of them play an instrument, and so uh, from from time to time when, when when the opportunity, they all live quite close to to our place. We we live in a small country, that's one of the other aspects of it, so to say. And from time to time uh, we, we gather and then I write some special arrangement or, or, or we do some, some existing uh, pieces which I adjust and I adapt a little bit and then we make music together. So of course not every week, not every, maybe once a month or something but it's nice and then you see the really young generation at 12 uh, 10 years old grandchildren being there and playing together with grandmother and with with, uh, with, with uncle and, and aunt so it's 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 just nice for the family ties and it's, it's a pleasure so it's, it's, it's not a high-skilled ensemble but it's nice to do so
0: yeah but now having talked about your family who are all close together the next performance we're going to listen to is with a Belgian soloist a Japanese orchestra and a Venezuelan conductor. This sounds like an amazing combination and it's uh, part of your clarinet concerto. So let's listen to that. This is the second movement, Giocoso e con Bravura. Uh, it's for clarinet and symphony orchestra by my guest, Jan van der Rost. Okay, well that was the second movement, uh, Giocoso e con Bravura, from the clarinet concerto by Jan van der Rost. Somewhat in a different style now, Jan.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, as I said already, I wrote and I write music in all kinds of styles, and that's also what I have wanted to do. I'm not a guy who really wants to follow one path and just continue the rest of his life, searching for that really uh, genuine uh, piece or style. I've always been open to many things, and that makes me also feel happy because it, that's the way i want it i will i don't write for the music history i don't write for the music books as history books i write for the people who want to listen uh, to my music or who want to play my music and some people many people appreciate it some don't really appreciate it but that's the destiny i think of any composer from any uh, period in the, in the history. So that's not my, um, I, I don't worry about that aspect. And so this one, indeed, uh, is a little bit different. Um, I wrote it uh, on commission of the soloist who plays here, Eddie Van Oosterter, one of the uh, best, or maybe the, the best uh, solo clarinetist at this moment in Belgium, and with a very international career. He also played the world premiere, which was in the United States with the Utah Philharmonic, And then afterwards, this was the Japanese premiere combined with the uh, recording for Naxos. So it was a kind of special uh, project. I also was there during the recording. He played it also in in Ukraine, in in, in Poland, in Belgium. So he he played it uh, at various occasions. And afterwards, also other clarinetists have picked it up. The first movement is completely different, it's very contemplative and it's very uh, much about atmosphere and, and, and a little bit sadness, also doloroso aspects, but the second one is very yeah, uh, vivace, very uh, joyful, uh, with even, even some humour and some little bit uh, more virtuosity and, and brilliant things, so it's quite uh, contrast. and. Of course, the versatile instrument like the clarinet offers all those options because you can play really very smoothly and very softly, but also very uh, yeah, uh, spectacular things and it has a high virtuosity. So it was nice for me to explore the, the various aspects of the instrument.
0: Now, um, this particular recording was with a Japanese orchestra and you say you've been there about 75 times to um, to Japan. Uh the musical life in Japan is obviously very active and particularly in western music.
1: That's true and um after the second world war a lot of uh, interest from the Japanese musical instances in general went to the american music. And when you go to the wind orchestras, they really have copied their system of teaching music uh, in schools with high school bands and college bands and, and, and university bands. So they are kind of used the, 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 the American model as their role model, so to say. Also, the classical uh, world... Um, has always been inspired by United States and Europe and some other uh, parts of the world, of course, for their um, yeah, for developing their skills. And that in combination with the, the sense of discipline and the organization and the, the, the strict way of, 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 of doing everything, they reach a very, very high level. And not only the... Um, the 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 professional ensembles which of course have a high level like all over the world but also in the schools and and, 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 in in amateur world it's amazing amazing how high uh, level many of those ensembles can reach i've been there so many times and i've been surprised and amazed so many times and even every time when i go there after a few months and i go back to such a rehearsal room i say oh my god i almost forgot (laughs) how well they play it's amazing, so and it's it's all about their their discipline, their mentality. Of course, they have the organization, they they have the financial means. So it, it's a combination of various aspects, but still it's amazing because many other Asian countries with kind of similar circumstances do not necessarily reach the same level. So it's it, it's something in the, I think it in, in the the mentality of, or or the the. Yeah, the mentality is maybe the best word uh, of, of the Japanese people to always try to go for the very best and give all the necessary efforts to reach what they want to reach. And that makes it for a guest composer or conductor, of course, easy to work because anything you ask, they try to to make it happen. And that's, that, that, that can result in very, very nice uh, cooperations.
0: Yeah. And, and obviously, you enjoy working with young people. And I see you, the next piece we're going to hear is for a children's choir, Il Bucaneve. And uh, do, you, do you actively get involved in things in Belgium also with choirs? Or, I mean, do you run anything yourself or do you just spend your time composing?
1: I did. So I can't I don't say just, involved. I can't
0: say just spend your time, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. No, no, I did. I have conducted a choir, uh, what's an amateur choir here. I, of course, also conducted professional ensembles. But uh, as a as a permanent conductor, so to say, I've done that during my uh, younger ages, uh, uh, younger years, sorry. And um, but I I never had a really a permanent uh, children's choir. Or uh, boys choir or girls choir or anything so I just had a mixed choir for ten years which I enjoyed a lot to do and I learned also a lot I have this uh, choral conducting diploma so I did uh, I could really um, honor those uh, the years I spent in the conservatoire to learn but working with children is something really particular something special and uh, I'm a very patient person so I, I normally would be able to to work with them but it's so different because of course they're all Soprano and 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 uh, singers and as uh, voices I mean and if you have to give an example and you sing octave lower than them it obviously doesn't help them too much so you must always try to sing in a kind of falset uh, voice to, to, to reach their uh, exact uh, pitches etc so it's a different approach and, and I think it's, it's a specialization so to say which um, Needs some um, some specific, uh, also the fact that they cannot concentrate for one and a half hours. So they, after, after 20 minutes, the re- really young kids They have to do something otherwise because they are kind of distracted. So it's it's different. But I, I wrote quite a lot of things for children's choir and I always loved to see and to hear how they perform it and rehearse it. But I never conducted one myself. And okay. I was okay. very happy to have here the Flemish uh, opera. um uh, Children's Choir to take care of the recording of this Il Bucaneve.
0: So, let's listen to it. It's, it's about the fight of a little snowdrop flower to pierce through the snow, Il Bucaneve. That was Il Bucaneve by my guest in People of Note, Jan van der Roost. It's based on a, an Italian text, and it's for a cappella choir, describing a, a snowdrop flower piercing through the snow. And talking of children, uh, one of your pieces, uh, the Sinfonia per Orchestre, was inspired by um, the, the death of a child.
1: Yeah, especially the second movement. But there is some sadness all over the piece, I think, in general. It was uh, uh, a young, deadborn son of uh, one of my best friends. Uh, we studied together. He was an organist, and I played trombone in those days, and we play, sometimes played together, and uh, yeah, we were good friends and good colleagues. And a few years later, he announced that his second child would be born in a few months. And when it was born, indeed, it it, it, it was dead born. So, And they had decided already before that, that fact to name uh, that little child Jan, so my first name. And of course, because he was such a good friend, and then on top of the fact that he named it after my name was so so touching, I, I had a hard time. Uh, of course, they had a way harder time than I, than I did, but also I had a hard time with that. And it really uh, struck me very strongly. And when I got the commission to write that symphony, um, there was some, yeah, how shall I say, some sadness, some melancholic feeling. Um, even the, the scherzo, so to say, has a little little bit a bitter aspect so it's not my most joyful piece and in that second movement I tried to combine all those um, emotions together I Put together uh, a little children's song, the famous. Uh, also, Mozart and some other composers have uh, written uh, variations on it, so I used this like a little uh, children's mobile whereby the, the Glockenspiel and, and the Celesta and, 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 and the harp and, and some high woodwinds, etc., and Pizzicato and, and in the high strings suggest this little childish. Uh, sound so to say, I combined that uh, little children's song with uh, an organ-like chorale with uh, the brass players eh, which uh, is actually reflecting the fact that my friend was organ player and then some other elements together and those things um, in a a kind of mix between hope, sadness, anger, uh, frustration and uh, the, the, the a little bit of feeling what's gonna happen now so kind of this despair even so it's it's, it's different emotions which come together in this uh, uh, piece it has various layers so to say and when the first performance took place with the Luxembourg Philharmonic some Twenty years ago or something, it was uh, absolutely, absolutely the most emotional moment of of the concert. So they played uh, some other pieces by Finzi and and, and, and Elgar, etc. But afterwards, all the people were speaking about that second movement, which really had touched them very deeply, because everybody or almost everybody can imagine what it means to lose a, a little child and all those things together in the, in, in in this uh, kind of dramatic music made it. Um, a very emotional piece.
0: And I think that's why it's important for us to know the background stories to these pieces, because it makes it so much more real for all of us. And we're going to listen now to Funèbre, the second movement of the Sinfonia per Orchestra by Jan van der Roost, my guest in People of Note. It's played by the St. Petersburg State Symphony Orchestra. That was the Sinfonia per Orchestra, the second movement, Funèbre, by my guest in People of Note, Jan van der Roost. So Jan, what about uh, after lockdown now? We're all looking forward to the time. How, first of all, how far is Belgium in vaccination and you know, getting clearance to go back to normal life?
1: Well, um, I think it's two different questions. Uh, we had a very hard time in um, November October, November, December, where we had our second wave, which was quite a strong one. It was way stronger than the first one. So that was a really bad uh, period. And at that moment, Belgium was doing really badly it was one of the worst countries in the world with the very dense population very small area lots of it's a crossroads of Europe all kinds of people uh, pass here on the way to France to Germany to England so it's 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 uh, one of the reasons why there's such a huge uh, concentration here or was such a huge huge concentration now we're doing way, way way better so the government took really very strong measures which are not pleasant for none of us but at least they worked and now we have it kind of under control so that's the first part of the answer the second one is that um with the vaccination we are having the same problems as all european countries and probably all countries in the world that the vaccines do not really arrive the way they would have loved to have to have them so we are a little bit behind of schedule because many of the factories cannot deliver the the amounts they really had promised and they should have sent so that makes it all a little bit even more un- unsure how the future will develop uh, as soon as the vaccination has has taken place i think life is going to be not back to normal but it's going to be better for sure but how and how long it will take that's really hard to preview i think at this moment
0: yeah like for everyone actually we're here in south africa too we've uh we're really unsure about how to move forward. We're trying to plan concerts uh, because people are desperate now for live music, both musicians and audiences, really keen to get back to normal life, not only music, but every aspect of of life. So it's a problem really for all of us. But um, we hope uh, that things will turn out uh, better soon for all of us, for you there in Belgium and for us here in South Africa. And uh, I hope that many people who've been listening to this program, uh, people of note on Classic 1027, will now be able to explore more the music of uh, a composer who's just reached his 65th year. Composing in South Africa is um, I suppose, something of an unusual career to choose. There are a few uh, composers in South Africa who've done very well, and some of them have moved to Europe and done well there. Uh, But it's quite a fragile life because people are always waiting for commissions or composing in the hope that someone will perform their works. But Jan, if you've got any words of encouragement, maybe for composers here in South Africa, maybe we could just Finish off by words of encouragement from you for them
1: well, I think first I would say this of course I 'm a very active composer conductor, but I also have combined it with teaching because really living from your compositions is also here very hard, and only maybe a few great exceptions who get the really big 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 commissions uh, can live thanks to their com- compositions so that's that 's still a, a, a tough uh, thing, so I always combine it with teaching and with other activities. But to answer the the main question, um, I think, and that applies, in my opinion, for all people in the world who try to compose or who try to make music or try to conduct or to try to develop their musical or other skills, I think the best way to do it is, firstly, inform yourself as as well as you can by studying, by reading scores, by listening to music, by opening your mind, by being not too narrow-minded in... I didn't ever, I never uh, followed one path. I tried to be broad-minded. I can really recommend it. And then at a certain moment, you will find out which way or which ways you uh, would like to go. But the most uh, sincere advice is be honest with yourself. Don't let yourself influenced by what th- people think about you, uh, how they expect you to write, what you should do according to them. Because it's your language. It's your your talent, it's your skill, just let it go its way. If everybody would follow the same way, there would not have been a Beethoven, there would not have been a Tchaikovsky, there wouldn't have been a Debussy, there wouldn't have been Stravinsky, to name only a few of them. They all have their own voice, their own way of exploring their talent. And thanks to that diversity, we have such a wealth of repertoire from all centuries and give such a diversity in music. And that makes it also so interesting. So be honest with yourself, try to inform yourself maximum and go for it. And hopefully with a little bit of luck, you will hopefully make your dream become true.
0: There we are, wise words from Jan van der Roost, Belgian composer, who's been my guest in People of Note tonight. And thank you all at home for listening. Thanks to Matabatabahadebe, who helps me put these programs together. And thank you to you, Jan, for giving up your time and uh, sharing your thoughts on composition and your many compositions with us here on Classic 1027. So thank you.
1: And thank you for inviting me, for spending so much time to my music. Thank you.
0: That's a great pleasure. So there we are. Until next time, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we say thank you for listening and good night.